And good morning. Welcome to another exciting broadcast of Sunshine USA. This is Warren Landis, and I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And it is a great joy to welcome you to the broadcast today. Um, this is truly my favorite time of the day. Most of you know I record these programs in Greenville, South Carolina. And I record them in the morning because that's when I feel the best and that's when my mind is most alert and that's also when my voice is strongest. And so I do these broadcasts very typically each morning. Uh, plus, I think it's just a great way to start the day by reading and, and studying the Word of God and, and seeing what it has to say to us. And, and you know, the thing about it is, even if you've been reading <clears throat> the Word of God for years, it seems that every time you read the Bible, you get something new and fresh from it, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's something you can't say about any other book, but you could say it about the Bible, amen? Amen. Well, right now, we are in Romans chapter 7, I believe. Let me check here. Uh, yeah, Romans chapter 7, and today we start with verse 7. And uh, one of the things that Paul is going to do, starting here in verse 7, he's going to talk about the fact that we as Christians are not made holy by the law. You know, there's a lot of people who erroneously believe that if they can only keep the law and all the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments to go with it, that they would be holy and they would be automatically right with God. The truth of the matter is, that isn't true. <laughs> you know, you could keep every single commandment and still not be holy. You know it? Now, of course, in the Old Testament, one of the things the Old Testament saints realized uh, early on is that you can't keep the law. You can't keep the commandments, not all the time anyway. I mean, even if you went a few days without committing a sin, sooner or later you're going to slip up and you're going to commit a sin. That's why in the Old Testament, as I've said before, they had a Day of Atonement. And on that Day of Atonement, you would get atonement that would only last for one year. It was not, it was not a complete forgiveness. It was only good for one year. But you see, when Christ came along, and he died on that cross, and he shed his blood on that cross, he shed his blood for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. And the beautiful thing is, he died one time for everybody. He died one time for a lifetime. When I got saved... Back in November 1969, I never had to worry about getting saved again. Because I believe in once saved, always saved. Christ is not only powerful enough to save you, he is powerful enough to keep you saved. And we could be a Christian even though we're not perfect. And I hope I don't have too many listeners in my radio audience who are Christians that think they're perfect, because you're not. You see, when I got saved, 
We'll talk about this a little bit further as we get deeper into the broadcast today. When I get when I got saved, my old Adamic nature was not obliterated. Oh, how I wish it had been, but it was not. And so you and I as Christians today, we have to do battle with that old sinful nature. Like I say, as we get deeper into the broadcast today, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But here's the thing. If we're not made holy by keeping the law, Paul raises the question in verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. He says, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. But I had not known lust, except the law said, thou shalt not have it. You see, here Paul is saying in verse 7, that the law serves a useful purpose. It lets us know that we have sinned. It lets us know that we've either done something that is not pleasing to God, or we have failed to do something that God wanted us to do. And we wouldn't know that were it not for the law. That's why Paul typically refers to the law as a schoolmaster. A schoolmaster that teaches us that indeed and in fact we have sinned against God. Well, let's read on. Verse 8. But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without law, sin was dead. Now, in one sense of the word, he raises a good point here in verse 8. We really couldn't have sin without the law. Because the sin, I mean, the law tells us that we have a sinner. Let's say, for example, you're going down the interstate at 100 miles an hour now, in most states, that would be highly illegal. And at the very least, you would get a fine, maybe points off your license, and things like that. And the reason that would happen is because there are laws in most states against speeding on the highway. But now the highway patrol officer or the state trooper, he could not pull you over if there wasn't a law against it. See what I mean? So there you have it. Let's read on. Verse 9, For I was alive with the law once, but then, but when, rather, the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commitment which was ordained to life I found unto death. Let's read on. Let me turn the page here. Typically I use one of these traditional Bibles. It's not one of those electronic Bibles. <laughs> so I have to try to turn the page. For sin taketh occasion by the commandment, deceive me by it, slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, just and good. Was sin that which is good made death unto me? 
God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, worketh death in me by that which is good, that sin, by the commandment, might be exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So, what Paul is saying here is that as Christians, as Christians, we could be thankful for the law because it does reveal to us the fact that we're sinners. That we're a sinner. It also shows us how we could shore up our life to be more acceptable to God, more pleasing to God. But as I say, keeping the law does not make you holy and it certainly doesn't save you. And one of the things that we believe in very strongly, especially in this age of grace that we're living in now, is the fact we know that we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by works. We're saved by God's grace through faith. That's how we're saved. We're not saved by keeping the law. You, you can't keep enough commandments long enough to be saved. There's no way you can earn or merit your salvation. Now I think a lot of times we wish that it were possible to do that because it would make us feel better. It would make us feel, yes, we're a Christian. By golly, we earned it. But you see, you haven't earned your salvation. That was given to you as a free gift by the Lord Jesus Christ. That was given to you as a free gift by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And therefore, even though you're a Christian, you have no one to praise but Jesus Christ. Because you see, he and the blood that he shed on the cross, that's what saved you. Not your good works. Not your keeping the commandments or anything like that. It was a free gift. Now, by the way, it's when we acknowledge that, that it's easier for us not to judge others. For example, and I know I've said this many times on this program, I'm, I'm sure that I'll use it again as an illustration sometime on this program. But when I see a, a homeless man who's drunk, he's staggering down the road, uh, there's a sense in which my heart goes out to that person. And the reason for that is the fact that I recognize that except it be for the grace of God, that could be me. Except it be for the grace of God, that would be me. And it also reminds me of another important point as well. And that is the fact that you and I as Christians are not perfect. You and I as Christians are not perfect. We have a perfect salvation. We have a perfect Savior, but we are not perfect. Now, when we get into... When we get into... Verse 15 through the rest of the chapter in verse 25, Paul talks about the strife of the two natures. The strife that we have under the two natures. 
You see, as Christians, we have one nature, which is that desire, which is that desire to please God and that desire to serve God and be all we can for God. But then we have that old Adamic nature, that old sin nature. And like I say, I don't know when you got saved. I know in my case I got saved the Sunday before Thanksgiving, 1969. And I can remember praying in my mother's bedroom. Me and my mother kneeled down at the bed, and I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And from that point on, I've been a Christian. From that point on, I've had this desire to live for God and to do all I can for God and be all I can for God. But when I got saved, I still had to deal with that old Adamic sin nature. Let's uh, read and see specifically what Paul has to say about this in verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would do, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. For then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, Paul brings up a point here that all of us have had to deal with. Like I say, when you got saved, you automatically have that desire to live fully and completely for God. To live a life that is totally, completely, absolutely sold out to God. And there are certain things that by our spiritual nature we don't want to do anymore. But most of us that have been a Christian for any length of time, you and I can understand that we're not perfect. We're not the Christians that we need to be. We're not even the Christians that we want to be. Because of sin and temptation, we slip up, we do those things we don't want to do, and we fail to do those things that we know we need to do. You see, Paul describes his life as being a constant struggle between the desire to do right and the desire not to sin, but we know sometimes as Christians we sin anyway. Now fortunately we have a loving God who is more than willing to forgive us and put us back on the right track if we just let him. But we have to allow him to do that. He's not going to do it against our will. We have to be willing to say, Lord, I admit, I've blown it here. I didn't succeed in doing what I wanted to do for you. I didn't succeed here in doing what I'm pretty sure, Lord, you want me to do. And Lord, I failed to do this. I failed to do that. And I committed this sin and I committed that sin even though I didn't mean to. I think you're going to find that the Lord is very understanding and very forgiving. And the first thing you need to do is just pray and ask God to forgive you. 
You know, if, if I do something during the day that I know to be a sin, I, I try to stop what I'm doing right then and there. And I say, Jesus, forgive me for what I just did. Or if I fail to do something that I should have done, I say, Lord, forgive me for that. Now, now sometimes, for example, maybe I'm on uh, the city bus system. Most of you know I don't have a car. I have to do what other citizens in this town do. I, I use mass transit. And sometimes the Lord lays it on my heart to witness to a particular passenger. But for whatever reason I don't, well, that's a sin of omission right there. That's a, a sin of failing to witness to somebody we should have witnessed to. And it might be that person you failed to witness to, he doesn't have much longer to live. He or she may not know it, but their days are numbered. We never know these things, and that's why it's important when the Lord lays it on your heart to witness to somebody that you need to do that. You need to do that. One of the things I, I like about the Bible I have, it's a Schofield Study Bible. And maybe between now and Christmas, you're thinking about getting a new Bible for yourself, either because you're putting it on your Christmas wish list or because you intend to go out and buy a Bible. Uh, I heartily recommend the Schofield Study Bible. Now, most people don't buy a Schofield Study Bible for the Bible itself. Uh, most Schofield Bibles that I know anything about are King James Version. And you could get a King James Version of the Bible anywhere. But you can only get the Schofield Notes in the Schofield Study Bible. And to me, that's what makes a Schofield Study Bible so valuable. Well, let's see what Schofield has to say about the situation. He says about Paul, with his conversion came new light upon the law himself. Let me read that again. Schofield says that with Paul's conversion came the new light upon the law itself. In other words, he no longer saw the law the same way he did before. Now, bearing in mind, Paul was a Pharisee. And he was not just a Pharisee, he was a leader of the Pharisees. He even at one time served for a time on the Sanhedrin. And your life had to be spotlessly clean in order to be a Pharisee and especially to be a leader of the Pharisees, as Paul was. You see, Paul felt that by keeping the law and teaching others to do likewise, he felt like that was what made him right with God, and that is what made him holy. But you see, he was so wrong. And he saw that for himself when he was saved on the road to Damascus. And therefore, he now saw the law differently. The purpose of the law is not to make us holy. The purpose of the law is not to make us right with God. The purpose of the law is simply to show us something that we need to see in order to be saved. And that is the fact that you and I are sinners. We have sinned 
against a holy and righteous God. Amen. Then we're going to skip down a little bit. We notice, for example, Paul uses the word carnal about himself. It is Paul's word for the Adamic nature. And for the believer who walks and lives under the power of it. Natural, his characteristic word for the unrenewed man. And spiritual being, the denotation for a renewed man who walks in the spirit. Now you and I need to be like that new man that walks in the spirit. You see, when you got saved, the Lord put his Holy Spirit inside your heart to lead, guide, and direct you. And that's why when you're reading the Word of God, a lot of times the Holy Spirit will reveal something to you in the passage you just read. And as I said at the beginning of the broadcast, it could be one of those things where, you know, you have studied the Word of God for years. You have studied the Word of God for years. You can hardly remember a time when you didn't study the Word of God. But you read the Word of God today, and it might be a passage you've read hundreds of times, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit inside of you teaches you something new and something fresh that you didn't see before. I mean, I'm almost 70 years old. I've been reading the Bible since I was a teenager. But even today, when I read the Bible, a lot of times something new will be revealed to me, something I never saw before, something I never understood before, but now I understand it. Amen. Well, let's dig a little deeper here. Now, Schofield goes on to reveal that six laws are to be distinguished in the Romans. The law of Moses, which condemns Law as a principle, the law of faith, which excludes self-righteousness, the law of sin in the members, which is victorious over the law of the mind, and the law of the mind, which consents to the law of the spirit, having power to deliver from the law of sin, which is in its members, and is his conscience above from condemnation by the Mosaic law. Moreover, the Spirit works in the yielded believer the very righteousness which Moses' law requires. In other words, we cannot have true righteousness without Christ. So it's Christ through the Holy Spirit that gives us true righteousness, righteousness, not simply keeping the law. That's why when Paul got saved, 
and converted to Christ on the road to Damascus, he saw everything so much differently. Uh, I pointed out many times, uh, before I got saved, I was a very religious person. I mean, I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was very active in our youth ministry. I sang in the choir. In fact, I sang both in the youth choir and the adult choir. I was active in the visitation program of our church. I was active in other activities of the church. But before I got saved, just before I got saved, I began to realize, hey, doing all this stuff doesn't make you right with God. You need a relationship. You need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take a look at another verse here. Another verse or two. Paul says in verse 22, chapter 7, verse 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. I delight in the law of God. Now, why would Paul delight in the law of God if he already knows that keeping the law is not going to make him perfect, it's not going to make him right with God? But still, he rejoices in the law because it is the law that reveals to him his sin. And then he has the opportunity to do something about it. Amen? Amen. Well, let's read on further. Paul says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law is sin. And that, by the way, is the very last verse there, or the very, yeah, the very last verse in chapter 7. So to sum it all up, what Paul is saying is, I have realized at long last that law is not going to make me right with God. But now that doesn't mean that the law is useless. It certainly is useful. It's useful in that it becomes a schoolmaster. It shows us that which is sin. It shows us that which we need to stay away from so that in turn we could become more like the Lord. Amen. Now, like I say, it's important for us to understand this as a Christian because, you see, the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is that you and I need to realize that we are sinners. That the law is not going to save us. We need a relationship with Christ we need the Holy Spirit living within us to guide us and direct us. That's what we need. Amen. Now, another point of this lesson, too, is don't feel too bad when you blow it, when you sin. Because, like I say, we serve a forgiving Savior. A forgiving Savior 
who loves us very much. And once again, as I've said many times on this program, God has so much more mercy than you have sin. You might be saying, Warren, you don't realize how much sin I have in my life right now. Warren, you don't realize what a very big mess my life is right now. And that's true. I have no idea what kind of mess you're living in right now. But I do know that God has more grace than you have mess. We cannot sin so much that God cannot forgive us. As long as you're alive, God stands ready, willing, and able to forgive any sin in your life. All the sins in your life. You just have to ask Him. And not only asking Him to forgive you of all your sin, but that willingness, that willingness to live for Him every single day. Amen? Amen. That brings us to the end of chapter 7 here in the book of Romans. It becomes a very convenient stopping point for this particular broadcast. Now, once again, if you have any questions, if you have any prayer requests, any praises to God, and you would like to share them with our radio audience, you just simply shoot me an email. That'll be the fastest way for me to hear about it. And I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com Now I want you to know that you can also contact me by snail mail. That's the old-fashioned, old-school way. My snail mail address is warrenlandis, 80 Thrusted Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N 80 Thrusted Street, Apartment 8510 Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. This Warren Landis, 85 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And I'll be glad to communicate with you and send you some materials that will help you Grow as a Christian. Everything we do here is free. It's all by faith. It's all a labor of love. It's all a work of faith. Like I say, I'm the only one on staff here and I don't get paid. I'm strictly a volunteer. And I wouldn't have it any other way. That way, any money that comes into this ministry goes straight to the work of God. Amen. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye, God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.